0: Well, September was really bad And October wasn't as bad Starting a new month here The year-end rally If it's going to start It better start soon Two up days in a row We got Fed speak What's Paul going to say? Can we make it three in a row? Boy, I haven't seen a three-day winning streak in a long time Earnings aren't helping out tommy lackey at 8:35 to give us his look on the markets it's wednesday it's pre-market prep
1: coming to you live from downtown detroit this is benzinga's pre-market prep with your host joel conan this is a volatile puppy here isn't it and dennis dig i've bidding a penny i'd buy that stock for a penny with everything you need to start your trading day
0: okay we're starting out in the red 16 handles 41.96 and a quarter just couldn't catch a bit off that opening bell the buck is up That's not helping things. That's up twenty five cents, one hundred six seventy five. Bonds back down a half a point, clinging, trying to get it back above one hundred nine. Crude bounces back, up a buck seventy six at eighty two seventy nine. Gold in the red by a buck 80 at 19 at 92.50. Silver in the red by 19 cents at 22.76. And Bitcoin still holding up near 35k. It's down $135 at $34,770. I'm going to bring in triple D here. And triple D, I, if I was doing an over-under on the trick-or-treaters last night. Based on the size of the bag of the candy I bought, oh boy, it was an under. We got snow here yesterday.
2: Did snow you get here to- right yeah. now. I have snow on the ground. Yeah. Snow on the ground. Like just a dusting, but the ground has snow all over it. A dusting here. Welcome oh. to Canada.
0: Well, well, Michigan's got it too, but uh, yeah, we just didn't have many trick-or-treaters. So the ones that came. Not a lot here either. We're rewarded heavily. And I don't know. I'm gonna have to have Lisa take that. We got one of those Costco bags, have to take it to work. So uh let's talk the markets and man had two up days. It was yeah. nice. We're starting a day in the red. Really? I mean, maybe AMD earnings, no specific catalyst. What what's Paul gonna say? Or he's gonna say nothing, and the market's gonna go crazy, anyways. Um
2: it's very difficult. I think he's probably still going to just stick with the same tone that he stuck with. That, you know, we're data dependent. We're still looking at data coming in. Hawkish pause, I think, is really what the yeah, tone I is. Think the hawkish care. pause. Probably the story stays the same. If he mentions, like, the long-term rates. If he mentions, you know, that that's doing some of his work. That would be interpreted as a positive. Bring in money, Mitch, here. What time does he speak? Because I don't know the time that he's speaking when he matched. Do you know what time, time it is? Time he always
1: speaks, man. Come on, Dennis. You know all this. He, he goes, speaks all over the place. <laughs> so is what always o'clock? happens is 2 o'clock is the PDF release, right? The report <laughs> release, right? Yeah. That's what you're going to catch. That's the prepared statement. And he's that's coming what he, on at like 2.30. That's what he – yeah, when he comes on at 2.30 and he reads that statement, that's literally yeah. what he reads. So if you want to get it at 2 p.m., just read that. Then after, of course, is the fireworks, 2.30. That's when we get his prepared speech. And then the Q&A is what we'll all be listening to, to see if we see a change in tone. A lot of people are expecting to see what, are expecting to see more of a dovish tone in the report. But then when he gets to the Q&A, he starts to be a little bit more hawkish um so that's where you got to be careful dennis i know that you're a little bit better than uh, and i also say better than i at trading something like this and a lot of times there's fake outs so how do you kind of approach these days
2: you fade everything it's the way this market has been it's been the fade trade so like i i know i keep sounding like a broken record in the last six months but it's just the type of momentum the market we're in contrarians I've done very well. Like, if you're getting chopped up and you're not figuring out why I'm getting chopped up, it's probably because you're doing most of your trades backwards, looking for breakouts, looking for breakdowns, looking for, you know, like follow through. The follow through hasn't been there in most stocks here. To the downside, it has, but most retail traders don't short stocks. So, but if you're looking like, okay, well, here's the turnaround. Finally, I'm going to buy some stocks here. And then, boom, there's stocks down 5% the next week. And you're like, well, why didn't that work? Because we're not in 2020 anymore. We're not in a momentum market. We're in a contrarian market. Why is Jim Cramer wrong continuously? Because we're in a contrarian market. He w- He's a momentum trader. He did very well, Jim Cramer, through 2020. He was like on this. He was on that. You know, and obviously he would mentioned a stock and it go up 10% just because we were in 2020. We were in, you know, the fairy tale war- world that we were in at that time in the stock market. Those days are gone. It's contrarian. So how do I play the Fed stuff? It's all about just fading moves. You get the big rip. Fade it, okay. get the big dip. Fade it. That's usually how you're playing this. There's very little follow through in this market. I Sorry told, for the I, stuffiness. I, 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 I'm still I fighting a little bit. told you uh,
0: that new Dell computer I got, right? Yeah. The new laptop. <laughs> Are
2: you fading that too?
0: No, no, no. I, I get the Fed statement at one I get everything at 158. I think oh yes. oh that's it's, what
2: it yeah, is. Dude, you gotta get a Dow. Yeah, yeah. yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, I have everything
0: too. there and I know where to put my orders and everything. You're throwing darts at the wall when you're trading during these kind of things. I mean, there's 30, 40, 56 rip handles. If you have targets and you have specific entry points that you want to get in the market then put them out there and and and, and man Absolutely. up and get taken I, out or by. If you're going to try and look at what he's saying and how he answers a question and, and point and click and do something, then you're doing it wrong. You got to wait to see how everything shakes out at the end of the day. There's no secret formula. He could ask one question and it turns one way. And then he'll use a second sentence and he'll say it another way. What yeah. you have to look at is the market has been under selling pressure for the last couple months. Once again, it looks like maybe we have a low in place, but what have we seen over the last three months? We get a little bit of a breathy, a little.
2: Yeah, and then they turn around. And, and then, and then they again. slam
0: it back down. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, on a quarterly basis, we're, we're negative. On a weekly and daily basis, we're a little bit positive, but yeah. hardly out of the market. I mean, we're hardly out of the woods on this, and he's not- Well, TLT hasn't
2: rallied anything. at all. And we've been yeah. saying that there's no yeah. reason to buy stocks until we start to see a sustained rally in the TLT. There's it's consolidated. I think our guest yesterday, Derek, made some fantastic points. Above 85 and a half on the TLT, you start looking at stocks. Below 82 on the TLT, and you start thinking about selling more stocks. So, I mean, let the TLT dictate the path we're going to take here because we're just in a consolidation range for five, six days. It is productive. There is hope here for the bulls where there wasn't Mm -hmm. much hope, I felt, like a month ago. I feel like I'm not as bearish as I was.
0: What about on Friday? I it was mean, a, come it on. Was a,
2: it was an ugly day for the market, but then they turn around on Monday and they just buy the stocks. So was it Friday? I'm losing track of days. Friday yes, was the Friday down we day. Friday made the low for the week <laughs> and closed
0: for the week.
1: Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah, watch out. We'll see what happens in the TLT. But I have the question of the day here. Has the market priced in a downturn? What do you think yes. about that?
2: Yes. So depends on what you're looking at. The S&P, maybe not. The IWM, absolutely. I mean, you can look at some of these stocks that have a lot of debt They've absolutely been crushed. I mean, the IWM, we can say it's off 18% in the last couple of months, but you got to go further back. Let's go to that high at 244 to 163. I mean, this isn't a stock. It's 2,000 stocks. So 163 off the 264 is what? 80 points off the 240. We're above 33% off the all-time high in the IWM. 33%. That's no longer a correction, folks. That's a full bear market. 20% down from the highs of bear market. It's a full bear market from the highs of 2021 in the IWM. It's been in a bear market for two years. The S&P hasn't tasted a bear market here in a very long time because it continues to hold up because of the Magnificent Seven. And maybe that continues to be the case. But I mean, there's a lot of bad news priced into a lot of stocks. And we're going to go into some of those individual stocks here today. And you are seeing a relief rally in a few stocks that didn't report great earnings, but they're like just seller exhaustion. And I I tweeted that yesterday. I think you're going to start seeing some seller exhaustion in certain stocks because some stocks are down 50% in the last three months. I mean, is it warranted? I don't know. Maybe if these companies are going bankrupt, and maybe some of them are, maybe it is warranted. But You know, at a certain point in time, sellers just get tired of
1: selling.
0: How is your bankrupt stock? What's that? FNC? The one you mentioned the other day? uh, Oh, the the
1: consultant company.
2: Oh, FCN. That's going to profit from the bankruptcies. It's nobody paying attention to that play at all here. But it's just interesting, you know, that that is a company. We are going to get, I will say, and it's not even a hard prediction, in 2024, we are going to get a lot of companies going bankrupt. Companies that were darling stocks, not just like individual private companies, stocks going bankrupt. We work, for instance. W E. Uh, give us this news, Mitch. I know we're going off the table here, but oh, because, you know, Joel, Joel took us off the table when he mentioned F C N. We work. Once <laughs> upon a time, you know, the market cap on this thing, I believe, was upwards of forty or fifty billion dollars. Just insanity they uh wall street journal reporting that they're going to go bankrupt here that they're looking to go bankrupt next and, week. and
1: where's we working what space
2: office buildings and stuff which commercial is
1: commercial real estate baby uh,
0: perhaps the worst timing to go into commercial worst, real estate of all time so yeah you can you can't make that. Is are, are there, you know, are there is a writing scary. on the
1: wall here and are they saying anything i think i think this just goes to show you guys um this company at one point was a, a darling. Sorry for my camera. Camera's having some issues today. Okay, um, yeah. But definitely it, it was a darling at one point. I mean, people really like this <clears> stock <throat> and people were using WeWorks, but not like they used to anymore. I mean, people would just, if they want to have a, an office, they're probably just setting up office at home versus paying for going into a WeWork. Um, and they just can't sell them like they used to. That guy was shady from the beginning, wasn't he?
2: All-time high five hundred and ninety-eight dollars. At that point in time, I had a forty-seven billion dollar market cap. That money is all gone. Whoosh, see you later. Some real money put in. Like there's some real investors who actually invested in this in 2021 and are losing some of that money. Again, not all of it, it was just, you know, it, obviously the market made, you know, billions and billions of dollars for stocks, and then the markets take it away. But I mean, that is gone now. The market cap thinks 110 million apparently going bankrupt. This is going to be the story for a lot of those 2021 darlings, the ones that are all trading at 50 cents, 60 cents. A lot of these stocks are going off the board worthless.
0: Uh, ADP, a number in two minutes, says Jeff Kenzie. Oh, crap. So, um, okay, <laughs> yeah, no yeah. I he
1: expected at 150,000. Jobs numbers haven't really moved the market at all lately. We'll see if this changes. Um, What's unemployment
0: going up? When when are we going to five, six, seven percent unemployment?
1: Well, ask Jerome Powell. I'm sure he'll mention it today, Um, Joel. So uh, we got to get you to DC so you can get asked that question.
0: (laughs) But these are good questions to
2: ask because the stats of data to Ryan Dietrich's points have still been pretty good. Yet, you see. IWM, 33% off the highs. And it's not just those 2,000 stocks. the stocks outside there, too. I mean, again, when you get away from the Magnificent Seven, even looking at the RSP, which is the equal-weighted Ooh. S&P, yes. it's yes. down a lot more this year than, like, even in the last few months, In the SPY. It's held up. I mean, on the year, I believe the RSP is down. It's I believe it's down on the year. So, I mean, that's just telling you there's been a lot of stocks in the S&P it's a better indicator of the overall market it has not been a great year for stocks um if you're outside the magnificent seven we'll say that. how about amd
0: traded down 70 sure. cents and dennis talked about buying the dip mitch give us the report
1: eps here at 70 cents 68 cents was the estimate sales of 5.8 billion versus a 5.695 billion estimate so a beat and a beat there gross margins at 51 percent versus 50 percent year over year and they stated on their call in the fourth quarter, we expect to see strong growth in data center and continued momentum in client partially offset by lo- lower sales in the gaming segment and additional softening of demand in the embedded markets. If you look at the data center revenue, that was at $1.6 billion flat year-over-year, client segment revenue at $1.5 billion. that was actually up 42% year-over-year and their embedded segment revenues at 1.2 billion, down 5% year over year. So two of their major areas at down, if not flat, and the biggest boost, of course, coming from that client segment area.
2: I mean, the quarter wasn't great, actually. And no, it the, stock really wasn't. Got, the, the stock got hit, probably rightfully so. I still have the half size position in AMD and my kids are ESP. Um, you know, part of me has thought about reloading the stock that I sold because this is about the area that I originally bought it at. But then the other part of me keeps saying recession coming and stay away and the valuation still not that cheap on the stock. So you got little I'm guys on, the on the fence on shoulders. this.
0: You got one guy on each shoulder. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. All, all the
2: time. <laughs> all the time. You got, you know, this guy over here saying, oh, my gosh, you're going to miss it. And you're too much cash. <laughs> and this guy saying, and this guy saying, shut your mouth. Because we're going into a recession. We're going to get all these stocks a lot cheaper. These two guys fight all the time. All the time.
0: Technically, I'll just give the setup. You had the dip. You had the dip. You had the rip. There's a nice area in the lower 93 handle, and it got there. That was a low that you had from last week. So there's your support. I mean, you got to respect that, especially since you're three and a half, four bucks off it. And then on the upside, I mean, it just – it kind of feels like if like when Lisa Sue comes on CNBC and says something positive, then it's gonna go unchanged and we'll see if it can stay unchanged on today. I mean, so far they bought the dip in this one. S&Ps are rallying. Looks okay to me. I'm not I'd, I'd say, you know, look at that close. That's an important number. See if you can clear that. And if you can clear the close, I think you got some room on the upside.
2: It was a productive tape for it ahead of the earnings yesterday. Yes. I mean a yes. new low. And that had a key reversal up to mm-hmm. the upside. So you have people who are short this probably saying, oh crap. Scratching bring their it. head. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they want to bring it in. And they're like nervous now because it's not going down on this report. So, and it did hold the 93.11 low from five days ago. So that's all the good news. Bad news is, it wasn't a great quarter in valuation, still not that cheap. So I sit on the fence on this one, probably not making any more moves in AMD. Like I said, I have a half size position, my kids are ESP, which is going to remain there.
0: One, one more comment here, like if no, you're no. on the trading desk right now and, uh, you know, someone had a big short position and then they're like, oh, I should have bought it at 94 a $95, you would be saying, you know, don't put the bids out there. Let it breathe. Let it breathe. Let the sellers come in and then they end up chasing it. So you're, you're far off that pre-market low, spoo's holding in there. It's not going to be so easy to, to pick a bottom if it goes into reverse.
1: Sorry about my camera today, guys. I don't know what's going on, part of battery issues, have? but uh, I'll keep trying to reset it here. At least you guys can hear me clearly. That should happen there. Uh, let's move to the disaster stock of the day and <sighs> definitely a disaster stock, Paycom Software, guys. Q3 EPS at $1.77, beat the $1.61 estimate. Sales at $406.3 missed the $411.18 estimate. And here is when things get really rough. Is when they see their Q4 Revenue at 420 million to 425 million versus a 452.27 million.
2: Right, actually
0: just kick it in here. P A Y C Joel. P-A-Y-C.
2: Joel, P-A-Y-C. P- so Joel doesn't leave the S and P 500 if it's like not in the like <laughs> he Why the would you? Why do you
0: even want to have a stock like that on your screen? It, it's
2: probably <laughs> true. I mean, if you just continue to invest in the S <laughs> and top ten components, you're outperforming the market. So you're probably right, Joel. It's probably the thing to do is stop looking at everything else and just buy the top 10 components of the S&P and it probably outperform the market. I mean, that's what's happened. S P p continues to be resilient. We continue to complain how it doesn't show what's really going on in stocks, which is true. But maybe it's just the case that maybe that's where we should be invested is just the S&P because they, they, they get the crap out of there and the way it's weighted is the strongest stocks always are worth the most. So maybe it is the index tone.
1: Now, one thing I wanted to show on Pay C is how wrong... Analysts can have it sometimes. I've been talking about how I think the analysts have it completely wrong on NVIDIA. Well, look at this pay C. And I'm pulling this from, of course, Benzinga Pro. Look at this, guys. Just before this, right? On the 24th, Citigroup with a buy and three, what? 50 rating or 360 rating? Yeah, 360s. Look at these, guys. Below that, 427, 356, 400. This is the problem, I think, a lot of the times when we listen too much to the analysts and thinking that they know what's going on underneath the hood. And you can see it. They don't know anything here. No, they don't know anything.
2: Mitch, you're absolutely correct. They don't know anything. There are half of them are lemmings. There's some smart ones. Don't kid yourself. You cherry pick the smart ones out and you can follow them to a certain extent. But all they are is commentary that moves stocks. The reason that we listen to analysts as traders is that they move price. So you have to respect it. Upgrades and downgrades undoubtedly move the price for the day. So as a day trader, you absolutely have to pay attention to the ratings. As a long-term investor, I think you ignore it too. I think as a long-term investor, if your time horizon is 10 years and you don't care what the stock does over the next 10 days or 10 months, if, if you're 10 years, you don't have to listen to any of this stuff. You don't have to listen to any of the analysts, none of that stuff. Unfortunately for me, I make all of my money day trading. So unfortunately for me, I do have to listen to the analysts. And that's where I'm at is like, I have to not follow what they do. I typically, you know, a lot of times I'm even fading, but I have to know, like what I say is I look at a stock, Goldman Sachs upgrades a stock, depends on what the stock is, probably worth three or 4% the upgrade. It's only up one, I'm buying it. If it's up five or six, I might be shorting it. That's statistical arbitrage. You know, I trade that stuff when the ratings aren't being priced in enough, I buy them when they're being priced in too much, I short them. Now, those are trading strategies, not investing strategies. But to your point, Mitch, you're a long-term investor. Ignore the ratings. That would be my advice if you're a long-term investor.
0: Wow. (laughs) 153, down 92 bucks, down 37%. I I would give you a level where I would buy it. 147.39. You're going to buy PAYC? At 147.39, I don't think it's gonna get there. I mean, that's the next—that's the next monthly low. Just hanging out on the pre-market low, so you keep crushing it. Yeah, you're gonna have a big flush off the open, right? Because sell stops in there and everything. So I'll just give you the monthly low, 147.39 for February of 28. I don't care about anything else.
2: The, this is just – this kind of move makes me not want to se- – this makes me want to sell every stock in my long-term portfolio. When you see a stock going down 38% in one day, because let's give it perspective here. Let's just Jeez. give it perspective. P-A-Y-C. Go back to those numbers here, Money Mitch. You can show them on the screen if Was you it want. it that
0: bad of a report?
2: Exactly. This is my point here. So they lower – so they beat on the top. They missed on the sales. They missed by $5 bucks on $411 million. So they missed by 1% on the sales. And they missed by, they're they're lowering guidance, which you never want to see lower, but they lowered sales guidance by, what, 3%. They lowered, that's 23. And Q4 guidance, sales guidance, they lowered by about 5%. So they knocked the stock down 38%. (laughs) Welcome to this market that they slam stocks first and ask questions later. Is this an overshoot? For sure. Does that mean it bounces back? Not necessarily, because that's what this market does. It punishes stocks severely when you miss earnings and when you miss guidance. So the guidance actually isn't great here. It should be down. Should the stock be down 38%? I'm shocked that it's down that much. But that's this, that's par for the course. There's a stock that goes down 25% on earnings every single day. And the one that goes up 20% on earnings eventually starts to go back down. That's why I've said this play has been the play through this earnings season just to be short every single stock in earnings. Because on this one, you make 38%. And on the other one, that's up 6 7%. If you look back at it three days later, it starts to leak back. I think if you were playing that strategy where you were short every single stock, every single one, you know, it didn't matter what it was. in the earnings this quarter, I bet you made a lot of money.
1: Estee Lauder, Q1 adjusted EPS at 11 cents versus a loss of 20 cent estimate net sales of 3.52 billion versus a 3.529 billion estimate. They do see Q2 net sales down 9 to 11 percent and see adjusted EBITDA down 60 to 66 percent on a constant currency basis. Uh, Estee Lauder sees fiscal year reported net sales down 2% to up 1% and see adjusted EPS down 25 to 33% on a constant currency basis.
2: Okay, so that's a serious down EPS down 25 to 33%. Yeah, that's really down. And, Loop, and this is expected 30, in the next quarter. 33% less money last year. That deserves to be down 15% when you see that. You know, you got one lower in guidance by 5%. You got another one saying EPS could be down 25 to 33%. That's serious, folks. So that's more warranted. I would say this sell-off is more warranted than PAYC. Again, I'm not saying go out and buy PAYC, just this market, market punishes and, and asks questions later. But yeah. this Estee Lauder being down 15%, doesn't it feel a little more warranted to you, Joel, when they say the EPS could possibly be down as much as 33% as the stock would fall 15%?
0: I mean, have women stopped wearing makeup?
2: Yes. No, for I real. Mean, they just people I mean, don't go out of houses much.
0: I mean, look at this. Look at Alta. <laughs> look at Alta. Alta's holding up great. I mean, Alta looks like the champ. Look, I, I didn't. And it's still know down that that, uh, significantly. Yeah, I didn't know that. Um, uh, what what's the other one? Elf. I didn't, what happened to Elf yesterday? Did they have earnings? I mean, that thing got absolutely well, I'll, I'll tell you what
1: happened to Elf yesterday. Money bitch has the report. Um, so what happened there on Elf yesterday is there was Short an unconfirmed report. Jeffrey's U.S. cosmetic note that was going around, and that was suggesting slower growth from 50 to 45%, and unit growth slowed down from 35% to 32%. And you can see this also affected Ulta. Um, I've been thinking about getting Ulta and there's even analyst ratings putting a strong buy on Ulta. And I think that's just based on seasonality, but th- I think they have it wrong here. And it's, I have it wrong too. Cause I'm looking at Ulta. I'm like, man, will this get moving for the holiday season? But no move yet. And Jefferies- I think people are
2: wearing makeup less. I think people are, you know, caring about their appearance less than they used to be because I think there's people not leaving the house as much, but I just think it's like this YOLO. It's like, well, this is who I am and accept me for who I I am. It's just a change in human nature. Like, I I, I believe that. There's still people who wear makeup. You know, there's still lots of people who wear makeup, but it's not like it was 20 years ago where you don't leave the house without putting up your makeup if you're a woman. I mean, it's changed. Stuff has changed. And that's not good news for Estee Lauder. Elf Beauty's trying to find its way. It's been the new, like, you know, but again, all these stocks are now coming off. Again, if you take off the S&P blinders, here's Elf Beauty, which is best of breed, has the best of breed, quietly off 50 points from the highs on 140 bucks. You're talking about down 33% as well, 35% from the highs. There are significant sell-offs here in a lot of stocks. Maybe it was unwarranted. Maybe it shouldn't be ever been that high, which a lot of these stocks probably shouldn't have been. But if you think, we haven't priced in some major bad news in this market. You got to look outside the S and P 500 because the bears have run rampant in a lot of
0: stocks. Uh Jefferies, boy. You know, I mean, we've followed that firm for a long time, but I mean, they're they're moving up the old the old rankings there. You know, it's, I mean, they're very. Inf- that's a very very influential move. And then you have the move in that yesterday, and then you get the estate slaughter news. I mean. That's some pretty good timing over there by Jeffries. Well, you know, based on the makeup budget for pre-market prep, we, ah. we should have never have been buying here. You know, we've been shorting these stocks the whole time. But I, I agree, Dennis. I think it's a generational thing. I mean, I think so you too. know, COVID was like, okay, what do I need makeup for? And then, you know, all these women are realizing, you know what? I look good without makeup and, yeah. you know, and not going I back. I think they to, do too. Know, I think
2: lots of women look great without I know.
0: makeup. You could be careful saying that, Dennis, because if you you get you know you just you don't ever want to say that like oh you look better without makeup. They'll be like, well, you don't say that.
1: No, right. I look better. Well, let's just say there's a reason double. why the camera's not working right now. Uh, let's keep going. This is look like, better
0: not on camera. Mitch is like this. He's <laughs> like I'm fixing
1: know. myself up, guys, right now. Just leave me alone. I don't, don't even know. All right, let's get know, to first I, solar. I really care about my appearance. You know, I got the haircut and everything the other day. Hey, guys. Let's get the panels oh. up here First, solar. And is this a short opportunity? I'll just ask the question out there. I think it is, but. What do you guys think in the chat? First Solar adjusted Uh EPS at $2.50 here. Net sales at $801 million versus $894.12 million. That was the estimate. First Solar raised, though, their EPS guidance. That's what helped them out here from $7 and $8 now to seven twenty dollars and $8 still on the high end. So they just raised the low end about $0.20 there. Does this deserve the lift that it got? I don't think so.
2: Maybe not, but First Solar has been best of breed, and it has been punished severely off of other companies' failures, meaning ENPH and SEDG. You know, like First Solar was holding up well all the way. They come out, and they raise their guidance. I mean, what in the hell (laughs) is ENPH and SEDG doing wrong? Because that is unbelievable. And again, they're different business models, so they're different, you know, like so. Maybe that's just, you know, they've got a superior business model. But after this quarter and seeing this guidance raise, after ENPH, you know, if we go back to the ENPH earnings, cut guidance, what? Like an SEDG. The SEDG one was
1: even more brutal.
0: Both yeah, that was
1: brutal. brutal, man.
2: They like were the rallying. Going the hold pro. on,
0: hold on, hold on. We got a rally go. going on here. Was there an 830 number we were sleeping on? I'll take No, Treasury.
2: Treasuries to sell 48 billion three year notes. So Treasuries there you go
1: that tlt just made a big move and if you look on the daily levels those are actually important levels support right underneath it now around we gotta 83. Pay attention
0: to this budgetary everything number? oh pay my lord look at that.
1: that they're trying Holy to save man. the Ackman low man
0: yeah, oh yeah, yeah.
1: You're trying to save that act. Holy, I was
0: worried about the
2: eight fifteen number and I got run over on the other number. TLT <laughs> just ripped higher on this ripped. folks. That is yeah. good news for that for the IWM. Remember TLT so they weren't IWM selling as much
0: head. as they thought they were. I I did reach out to Bill and um I did send him the clip. I just don't know if you call them Billy Boy was really something that uh <laughs> but uh I, I asked a Billy, Billy boy, Billy yeah, Boy. Wow, what a Man, a three day winning streak, but you got Powell. Powell is gonna, you know, pay, you the know? market.
1: Yeah, Billy, I, I'm uh, gonna say, Billy boy overall, in the chat. Uh, th- just wanted to state because he wanted to say that this was ADP. ADP actually came in really light 113,000 versus 150,000. But this is moving more off of that mention that Dennis just mentioned. This is the hey. treasury stuff, I yeah, think. I just coming, wanted to, I saw
2: you. it on the calendar, yeah. I saw the 8 30 stuff. Treasury, we're, we'll steal off CNBC because they always steal off us. Treasury to continue gradually increasing coupon <laughs> auction sizes for at least one more quarter. Treasury to boost two to five-year notes, one, seven to 30 years, notes. Yeah, <laughs> there you was, go.
0: It's it's more than what you thought. I want to address something here real quick. Um, yeah, in the chat, okay. Ben K is saying, what is the Ackman low you're referring to? <laughs> so, <laughs> Dennis,
2: in the treasuries.
0: That is what yeah, – I think you're Did the Did it one get breached? Think. I don't think it ever got breached. What day was it? Do you have the day that he covered? When Ackman Uh,
2: said, I've covered my short bonds.
0: He went short bonds bonds. and he
2: said, I covered my bond shorts. And that's the day the TLT turned around and ripped. I think think it was was just back. I think it was on October 23rd.
0: I, I agree. I agree. And I we have agree. not
2: breached that low. So we've been saying that the TLT has potentially put in this Ackman bottom we've been joking about here. And I'm just going to say, on an overall market discussion, before we bring in Tommy Lackey, is that we have come down so far on so many stocks. The TLT is what matters here now. Above 85 and a half, you got to start looking to buy stocks. So I think let's keep an eye on the TLT. It's in the middle of the range, so you don't have to make a decision here yet. But I do think that we set up well for seasonality. We have been crushed on so many different stocks. I think you have seller exhaustion on some of this IWM. IWM's that major long-term support. I'm not saying this is the, the bottom, but I think it's been too easy on the shorts. And I do think we're getting back into this mentality here where people are starting to think about shorting stocks on every rep, and that's not going to work. So I do think that we've got to start thinking about, you know, not being as bearish as we were a week ago. Can we grab Tommy and see what Tommy's thinking? Because he's the one that knows this market, man. He's the <laughs> one that called. Do it. Let's He do called it. the strong first half and the weak second half. Tommy Lackey does have a crystal ball. Get Tommy <laughs> Lackey here and I'm following what Tommy says.
1: <laughs> All right. Let me pull this uh, chat comment down and let's get to our guest out there. You guys smash that like. Let's get it going here.
0: Tommy Lackey Jr., relative, relative, and Capital Advisors. I mean, I don't know if you could get any more of a build-up on an intro than that, Tommy. So we don't, we don't want to put too much pressure. <laughs> too much pressure. Triple D just comes with the pressure. But I did. You know, first you know, I almost the, just hung up.
2: I almost started just started. hung up when I, I said that. He's, that. He's like, I year. can't live up to that. Exactly I want to know right. that Tommy Lackey crystal ball here because we give a lot of guest props, but I mean you got this right. You came on in, in like I think it was December or January and said you saw that we could see, you know, a strong first half and you thought maybe a weaker second half, which nobody was saying. Everybody's like, Oh, we're going in a recession, you know, or they were saying, you know, it's just gonna go, you know, we're gonna come back. But nobody had this like weak first or a strong first half, weak second half like you had. It's a great call there, Tommy. Jump into you know this overall market and what you're seeing here now. Like, give us you know your next call as we enter the final couple months of the year.
3: Well, I think what she said is exactly right. I mean, it's the toughest spot we've seen ourselves in in a while. There is a lot of heavy selling. There's a lot of ugly charts. There's a lot of things like that. And as a technician, the last thing I really want to see is ugly charts. But at the same time, as y'all know, that's one of the main reasons I follow Brett in situations like that. That. I follow it more from a standpoint of not really what to follow, but when you start getting to the washout levels that are basically the baby with the bathwater type analogies that are out there. And I do believe that we have a good opportunity that we're getting there based on some good technical levels that we've either just breached. And again, that's one of the things, the best technicians I've ever learned from and followed all that, they don't look as much at a hard line as they look at where is it three days later and maybe two to 3% from that level. Because breaking a line or breaking a particular point on a chart is easy to do. Zones are more important and looking more at kind of what the overall backdrop is. And I think you're right. I think people have gotten really bearish. And I think they've had good reason to for the last few weeks. I think this has been a good bit more precipitous than I thought it would be, but has been driven a lot by TLT and its drop as well, which again, no matter what the Fed does today, which I severely doubt they'll raise, it doesn't seem to me that would be a very smart thing to do at all right now. But at the same time, if they do either way, I think you're, you've been setting up over the last week with some improved breadth, some improved things under the surface. It's really, as they say, it's really been the generals that have been really taken to the woodshed this week. And those are the ones that are really starting to, yeah, sure, we have the Paycom and that kind of stuff, but when you start seeing things like Tesla and Nvidia and some of these guys breaking heavy support levels, again everybody's looking for that to be the start of something huge, and a lot of times that's kind of the end of it.
2: So, what do you think for the last? Like we're going into the seasonally strong period for the markets, Ryan Dietrich. You know, we've had him on the show. You know Ryan well, and he mm-hmm. was saying typically the market's bottom October 27th, October 28th. I mean holy cow, I'm looking at my calendar here. I'm looking what the market has done since literally three days ago. And I'm like, could Ryan Dietrich be right? Could he have called it on the day, October 27th? Could that be the bottom here in this market?
3: Well, this is one of the things I love about listening to y'all. And you were saying it just a minute ago on the Ackman bottom and this bottom and that bottom. And I know y'all are being playful in a lot of ways. A little bit. But at the same time, again, it's the what's happening for the next week or so around this thing. It's not a day thing. It's the same thing as like everybody expects when you come off the bottom. Everybody's been saying this bottom's not necessarily good or strong or whatever because we don't have heavy volume. You don't have heavy volume off a bottom because people are scared. So the idea of saying that and 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 that that myth living for my entire career, and I still heard it this week. Oh, the bottom volume is still terrible. And I don't disagree. But you don't get volume until people start to buy in, not just physically with money, but mentally. And we're not there two days in. And I think that's something you have to respect. I agree with you completely. If we do find a seasonal bottom here, I don't know whether it's the bottom or not. But I've been talking with you guys for over a decade now about the fact is we get more information out of the bounce after a drop than we do out of the drop itself. Who engages? How much money comes back in? Where does that money go from a rotation standpoint? Is it defensive or is it more cyclical? Those types of things are going to give us a much better answer than what we saw the last week and a half as we get to, you know, people talk about the rubber band stretching. We may not be there, I may be wrong, but usually when we get the rubber band stretches, you get to a point of reflexivity to where even if you do have a precipitous drop for a week or so, that is almost always zeroed back out within the next couple of weeks. And then the decision is made. Are we going to go back up? or Are we going to keep going down? It's usually not that spike that lasts very long.
0: Tommy, great point here. And one thing that uh, we've been noticing about this, uh, this decline is that, you know, that, you know, there's been some, some moves in the VIX and everything, but it's just been like chunk, you know, it's like chunk. Like, the, you know, they keep hitting it, they keep hitting it, but like the bids are there. And then, you know, a little rally, then you come back again. It just feels like it was just such a well, you know, maybe not the huge size, but it was like, people were there and then, well, you know, like for Dennis and I, we like to see that whoosh. We like to see the washout and say, okay, big volume day back up time to get in. It wasn't like that. So now that that that's in the past here, I like that you focus on the closing prices. And I, I think that people make too much, put too much emphasis on, you know, the, you know, the intraday stuff. So, um, you know, give us some stocks that you're looking at or some ETFs and, you know, what's a constructive move? What, you know, where would, you know, you need to see closes by the end of the day or the end of the week to say, yeah, man, maybe we did put a little bit more of a bottom in there.
3: Well, again, I mean, if you're just going with the overall indexes and all that, I mean, we certainly have to get further. And I don't know that that bottom is going to come this week. It certainly can. And it does a lot of times when we have changeovers like the month or things like that, but it's not, It's usually, again, not that pinpointed like with Ryan Dietrich's dates, because right now we have a lot of news, a lot of ancillary things that are jumping out there as we're moving through this, but you are starting to see, and there are relative strength things that are shifting some that, you know, you've got to be paying attention to. A lot of people wouldn't realize that financials actually have been up in the higher end of the uh, sector rankings over the last few weeks. everybody's talking so much about worrying about financials now you have to dig a little deeper and realize that that's more in things like insurance and more in things like some of the brokerage stuff and stuff like that over the banking and all that but even regional banks have been one of the bigger movers over this last few weeks as far as relative strength and so again it's what do I need to see? I need to see the markets continue to build on what they're doing. I mean, I think if the Fed pauses and TLT can hold a gain today, that will help a lot into the close. That's going to help the markets, the stock market, more than that's going to help the bond market. But in that, and you're looking at that and you're basically working with those numbers, you're just now, like you said, the seasonality is coming into where after the uh, persistence of the move down we've seen and seasonality coming in, I would expect it to have some reaction. And in that reaction, we'll figure out if it can last at all. But again, we're two years into this bear market overall. Yeah. So how much longer do you really expect it to last if you start looking at a lot of different historical standards?
2: This is what scares me the most is what you just said, because some people think, oh, yeah, we've been in a bear market for two weeks. I mean, you get outside that S&P 500 in those top seven. We've been in a bear market for two years. We just did the I W M. It's 34% off the all-time high. It's 2,000 stocks in there. You look at the RSP, which is equal weighted. That is down significantly from the highs. I don't know if it's 20%, but it's down. I'm just looking at the quick math. Not quite. 164, 135, so 30 on 164, dang close to being down 20%. And at one point in time, you know, it hasn't made a new high for two years. So you're right. We're two years into this bear market here. At a certain point in time, you got to say, well, man, there's a lot of bad news priced in. And hey, if 2024 isn't as bad as, you know, maybe some of the bears think, maybe, just maybe, we should maybe start thinking about buying some stocks. Well, I, mean, I think
3: like, you said the other day that you sold out of your long-term account. I hope yeah. you're just rotating and figure well, out where the potential opportunity is, as opposed to just saying, you know, some of these things are just to a point to where they aren't worth holding long term anymore. That's a change in your mind. Yeah. That's not just market structure. But at yeah. the same time, um, I, I agree. I think that is something we have to look at is that some of these things, even the big names that we talk about are as strong as they are, are still well off their highs. Even some of our, our big. Not the magnificent seven, but some of the other really large players out there in the markets. If you just go across their charts, this last year, even though they've, we've been up and down, has not been pretty. And you hear all the statistics, whether it's Ryan or somewhere else talking about, you know, 50, 60, 70% of the stocks are down more than 20%. I don't know the exact number, but that's a lot with the market being up for the year. So this is one of those years that's really interesting because that. Also with the side with real estate continuing to hold up pretty well on the residential side or the retail person side, that's putting a dichotomy in the markets. I think that's that's getting us to an extreme to where a lot of people are getting worn out. Like Brian Shannon always says, is if they don't scare you out, they'll wear you out. And I mm-hmm. think that's about where we're getting with the stock market right now, with real estate continuing to hold up the way it did, and everybody's thinking it's going to continue that way. Well, long-term high interest rates are not a plus for real estate. And we're starting to see the builders and some of these others come off as well and get outside of the actual public stock market. And a lot of the local builders and things like that are in much tougher positions. So I think you're in a position to where it's kind of that scenario. And we've seen it a couple of times in my career to where people just get tired of stocks. I'm just it's just not doing anything for me, whether they've lost all that much it's that last as it drops that last bit, even if it's just getting them back to where they were a year or two ago, they're like, I wasted two years. And that's just not a good way to look at the markets. They tend to work a lot in fits and starts. All
1: right. I'm going to come in here. I'm a little bit confused on saying that we never got out of a bear market when the queues went up 44%. Um, no, I didn't. No, I
3: didn't. It, again. I mean,
1: yeah, yeah. I just want to kind of clear that up there.
3: No, you certainly do, and the queues did run out in that realm. And, and again, I'm not saying I think we are in a new run, I don't believe run. that we're in a situation to where right now I'm not seeing us rolling over at this moment. I believe we get, I believe the seasonality helps some, and then I'll see how that is taken after the Fed pauses. Um, from that stance, though, you're exactly right, Mitch. That's a big run in stocks, but again. When you're looking at a larger scenario of the broad market, whether you're looking at the geometric index, or whether you're looking at um, some of the other 3,000, Russell 3,000, things like that, you have not seen a market that has moved that way. And I think that's a lot of where the disappointment is coming in, Mitch. You're right, that index ran. And that market was in a bull run. And I believe the broader markets are trying to get there but I do not believe that uh, we ever truly came out from a broad standpoint of the 22 downturn.
2: Well, Q's never made a new high. You know, there's one thing too to be said here is that the Q's topped out in 2021. We are two years later here, so as much as everybody can say the Q's have just been unbelievable. Well, really, when you put it in perspective here, we are back to where we were in 2021. So, I mean, we have two years with the Q's, which is the best. The cues are the best. Have not made a new high, so it's you could argue from you know a bearish perspective even on the cues that hey you know we still never made a new high you know so well, start new bull runs usually you need to make new highs.
3: Yeah, and I hate playing semantics, Mitch, at all. But mm-hmm. I would almost say there's a difference in a bull run and a bull market.
1: Okay, I like but there it, you that go. Hundred percent.
3: I, like I like that. There.
1: No, no, I like it there. And um, one thing that I would bring in is what will bring this next run? You feel that we're going into a run. Well, what's going to continue this
3: run? Well, I think there's two parts that could. But again, I'm not an economist and I'm not a real good macro guy. But when I look at the where we are right now, the bearishness really is deep out there. And it's not mm-hmm. just on the markets, it's on the economy in general. And the economy is not rolling over yet. And so the idea that, that, that we're going to run through with a very bearish economy or view on the economy and the markets, if anything sparks their confidence out of that, like maybe the Fed's done, because the one thing we can say here is a lot of people do, I think, see now that obviously our Fed and our government are not exactly on our side when it comes to markets and benefits and things like that right now. I mean, with the thing like the, the, the UAW strikes and all that and how that's being played and everything else, it's not a market favorable time at the moment. And I believe that's actually a lot of times when you do get your terms. Again, like I said, it's worn people out over the last two years.
2: Spinner making another point here too in the chat. Jay Rice referred to. Fed has a lot of ammo for the next two to three years now. I mean, this is something to think about here too. It's a point that Roggy Horner has brought in on her show. Mm-hmm. It's a point that we've made as well. It's hard to get super, super bearish here because the economy really does roll over. Imagine, okay, well, we're cutting 50 basis points. I mean, that was the driver. (laughs) That was the driver for much of, you know, like 20, you know, 2015, 2016, 2017 was the interest rate reductions that we started getting that really brought us, well, you going back early in that, out of the financial crisis. I mean, it was quantitative easing that brought us out of the financial crisis. And it was, you know, lower interest rates that made that 10-year bull run happen in the S&P. And I mean, now we look at interest rates as high as they are. And think, well, you know, if this economy really goes south and the bears are like, we were right, the economy is going south. The Fed has all these bullets to turn the economy around. So, I mean, I can't just go here and say we're going into a depression. We're going to have 10 years of down markets here because I think the Fed has so much ammo. Tommy, thoughts there?
3: Well, I hate to get political, but the problem is the Fed has so much ammo, but it's also being continued and being ambushed by the Treasury and Congress. I mean, the dumbest thing on the planet, I think Druckenmiller may have said it recently, the dumbest thing on the planet that ever happened was that they did not refinance long-term debt at one or 2%, that they kept refinancing one to two-year debt. That was by far the absolute most ridiculous thing our government has ever done. Yeah. Because they could have refinanced 30-year debt at under 2% and it would have changed this entire picture, even if interest were 7% today the picture would be a completely different one. So it's like every time the Fed feels like it has ammo, it's basically gonna use that ammo against our own morons. And so it's unfortunate, but that's kind of where we are right now. The the good part is, is we'd still have the most innovative and the most growth-based economy in the world, period. And so we've been able to overcome that many times before. I expect we probably will again, But that's why we have these just gargling times in the markets and just the sideways mess for years at a time is because more than usually more than anything, the government just way oversteps its bounds. And then we have to figure out a way to to either grow out of it or rein them in.
0: Yeah. Tommy Lackey Jr., managing partner and portfolio manager at Relativity Capital, Tommy, great information as always, and I uh, can't wait to get you back on again to give us a good insight into the markets. We appreciate you being uh, one of our favorite guests, even though Dennis tells me not to say that. Huh.
3: Thanks, guys. I really appreciate Thanks, it. Y'all have a great day. Take
0: care, Tommy. Okay. Uh, the, bulls, the bulls are still here. We are trading at the highs of the pre-market session. We are attempting to clear yesterday's high at 15 and a half. So man, oh man, that TLT turned around on a dime. I got to look at it. I was looking at the bonds because I like to look at the, the 30 year bond a little bit more. And, that is, I mean, if we could just clear 110 here, and I'm not just talking about on like, a, you know, like the other day, we like went above 110 here in the bonds, probably equates to 85 in the TLT, but man, we poked our head above it three times in the last two weeks. Only to get beat out again. We're at 109 at 24, 30 seconds. That's what you see. When when you see it, you clear a resistance level. But not only is there, you know, not only you clear it, did you make it a bid there. Now, I don't know how many people are willing to, you know, to make you know, you know, a stand there at 110, but that's what I'm looking at. It let me look at the TLT. Uh I guess it kind of it. boy, look at that. That aqua bottom keeps moving up here when I move the, the chart. The weekly uh, chart
1: I think makes even more sense here, Joel. For some reason, okay, I just like weekly. it. Just take a look at that. Look how you get this kind of double bottom off of that Friday week uh open 8324. If that could just hold here, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna lean on that level.
2: I think so. I think you're leaning on that level in any purchases that you're making in stocks, not only bonds. So I think if you're coming in here, I think you can constructively try to play the seasonality, buying stocks here today, yesterday on depths. But I think you've got to have the short leash. And if TLT starts to actually break down and make new lows, I think you got to let some of those stocks go. So as a trade, I don't mind the setup okay. here. Leaning on the TLT as your indicator, much like Derek said yesterday, much like Tommy, much like much of our guests, including myself, have been saying is the TLT leading the bus in a lot of stocks. So keep an eye on that. We start to break down below 82 on the TLT. It's like, okay, I was wrong. I'm gonna lose my three, four percent or whatever it was on these stocks. And you know, that's it. If I'm right, though, and we start to get, you know, like, you know, a turnaround here in stocks from a seasonality perspective, you could see, you know, IWM move up in a hurry here. And, you know, it's the money being made on some of these really beaten down names. And we're talking about, you know, maybe we can get into a few of them here, like Generac and stuff that are just absolutely destroyed. I mean, I was talking about seller exhaustion here. Mitch, can we go to GNRC because a couple of people have asked for it. Obviously, I am still yeah, on GNRC. Not a happy long whatsoever, but you know I am. Um I mean, this quarter wasn't great. Give us the numbers. It's not a great quarter. It's not great commentary, but here the stock still trading up 8%.
1: Yeah, adjusted EPS coming in here at a dollar sixty-four versus a dollar fifty-one estimate. Net revenues of one point zero seven billion versus one point zero four four billion estimate. But they maintained their net sales guidance of down ten percent to twelve percent year over year. One thing that I would say is at least is I think the real question that we need to start asking ourselves is not necessarily, you know has the consumer already slowed down but will they slow down in 24 is the slowdown coming or has it already happened
2: i i think in certain pockets it has happened and you can see clearly gnrc talking about net sales guidance it isn't talking about you know lowering our sales guides from being up you know 10 to 20 percent up 10 to 12 percent. talking about sales guides going down like physically retracting you know less people buying we know why We know why. It's all these same reasons. This is a financing play. People have to finance these things. These generators aren't 500 bucks. You know, mine was $14,000. So, I mean, these are financing plays for a lot of people. So, again, if you're struggling with the financing, you're not getting 0% anymore unless you're buying an iPhone. I mean, that's an issue. And that's an issue for GNRC. The question is, has a lot of bad news already been priced in? I mean, I think so. The stock all-time high is $524. I mean, it's down down here. You know, they're making a dollar sixty, call it three, six bucks. I mean, it's trading with a P of twelve or fourteen. Um, that continues to go up though as the earnings go down. But more of the price action today, which is constructive, is that this quarter wasn't great. They didn't say anything about turning around. They said if anything, it's still gonna stay bad for 2020 the rest of 2023. And yet the stock is rallying eight percent. So I think you're seeing some seller exhaustion in the stock. And for the simple reason, I mean, we have been just Hammered and I've taken the brunt of this. You know, like obviously, one of my very bad stock calls here uh, bought it before we were worried about interest rates. As soon as long term rates started going higher, you needed to sell all these stocks, and that would have been the play. ALB, GNRC, you know, those bad stocks, LTHM, those three, those are the worst ones in my long term portfolio, I think. Um, and you guys know them. And, uh, you know, it would have been good, but at least the price action today is constructive. If you're trying to say that some of this stuff is just having seller exhaustion now, and maybe a lot of bad news has priced it,
0: uh, trying to get up to ninety-two bucks. I have an area of interest here. Pre-market high comes in at ninety-two thirty-two, and then you just got a little bit of a gap area, Uh ninety-two thirty-two to 90, 93. Wait, where's my gap? Um, right here. Yeah. Uh there's a gap between ninety-two thirty-two and ninety-three sixty-two. So looking for a little bit more on the upside, perhaps a gap fill there. I just a little bit too, you know, too soon to be calling this a major bottom and be looking for a retracement. Top of yesterday's range, way down at 8492. Let's go
1: to, um, yeah, there's a lot to get through here. Uh, Let's talk about uh, CVS and Humana. And we can put these together because they definitely have a nice move, at least uh, now starting to really fall off. Uh, This morning, it wasn't that bad uh, when I looked at it. But yeah, this is falling off now. Humana adjusted EPS $7.78 beats the $7.16 estimate. Sales also beat here. Uh, Fiscal year gap EPS of at least 26.31 from at least 26.91 prior versus a 28.3 estimate here. And that's why I think they're getting hit that estimate, right? They're saying at least 26.31, but not compared to that 28.3 estimate. Then also CVS, Uh, CVS beat and beat, and they revised their guidance to $6.37 and $6.61 on the high end from $6.53 and $6.75 on the high end. So also revising their guidance down here.
2: Slightly down on the guidance on both of these stocks. Humana is in a completely different spot than CVS. Humana is not far from all time highs. I don't totally get why, you know, we bought all these stocks back UNH and Humana. I think it's just the defensive nature of the market saying, well, wow, you know, healthcare, Obviously, these health insurers, you know, this is defensive because even in a recession, these things still have to make money because people still need help. They still ha- are going to pay for their health. So that is true in the case, but the valuations aren't that attractive in here. I, I don't think I want to own these things at these prices here. CBS has been hammered, but I don't think I want to own drugstores either. I mean, I've, you know, we've obviously seen Rite Aid's been a disaster forever, but Walgreens can't seem to get a lift here. I feel like there's something else happening. I don't feel like I want to own CVS here either. Although I'll say if you're buying the dip on CVS, we're kind of in a buy the dip mentality the last couple of days and you do have a low lean on 65 bucks. You're not far from that. So if you wanted to take a shot and say, hey, maybe they turn this around on it. I'd stop myself out below 64. So setting up a trade, you could buy it at 66.07 here. Well, 66.20 is the offer in the pre-market. I won't argue with you if you're doing that. It's not for me, but I do think like, I don't know if I'd be selling CBS in the hole here today.
0: Right, down two ninety one. Uh, that's just been a, a magical level for the past couple months. Buyers stepped up again. You're getting a down open. I. That's easy. That's an easy one to see. Mana chart. I don't know what this thing is. Look at the gaps in that thing all over the place. And,
2: it's, and now, and how like, you know they say Medicare news and then it falls seven yeah. percent and then they forget about it and then it goes all the way back up. Lots of things yeah. to think
0: about with that stock. Yeah, tough, tough chart there. I'll take a pass on that one.
1: Match group Q3 adjusted EPS 57 cents versus the 44 cent (coughs) last year sales of 881.6 billion beat the 881.07 estimate tinder direct revenue was up 11 percent hinge direct revenue up 44 percent match group expects Q4 total revenue of 855 million to 865 million but this is not why I expected uh especially after uh you guys didn't see that guy uh on on tinder i I think i saw him uh this guy uh dennis dick maybe uh, out on Uh, twitter uh, 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 (laughs) i'm just joking look look at this one (laughs) let me see uh there you go dennis you're out there what is that (laughs) your fake tinder account man are you kidding me no i'm messing with you man did you uh, make that up or yeah, is it really yeah, one yeah, of those out you, there Dennis. you made I'm that up messing with you yeah
2: oh gosh i was like there's fake dentist sticks over there too there's like a dozen of them on the funny part like, is, is the, the, the
1: small text said at the bottom looking for long-term investment but looking to short,
2: not looking to short. that is kind of me um <laughs> stocks making a new low the, the commentary is what did it here I mean, the earnings were fine, but the match group expects a 2023 total revenue growth company wide towards the lower end of the range it provided a year ago. You don't want to hear that. So it's the guidance knocking it down. I will say, you know, this company (laughs) does make money. I will say there is support here too. So we're just looking at, you know, uh, you can tell the mentality that I've got here changed a little bit here from sell the rip to a little bit of buy the dip, at least with the trading cap on. I'm not sure in the long-term investing hat, but definitely with the trading cap here, I got a little bit of the buy the dip mentality going on here. 3073 is the low of the move. Can I hold it?
0: Yeah. Uh, trading down in the pre market. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Pre market low comes in 3120. Uh, where are the lows here that Dennis just mentioned? 3128. Got a little synergy there. I I just, man, these stocks, I mean, I, you know, these online, I don't get them. I don't know, you know, what COVID helped them, hurt them, or whatever. Uh, but, man, I don't know a tough call on here what's the other one bumble like bmbl is that on that one
2: all these things have been crushed again but bear markets everywhere around you when you look outside the magnificent seven bear markets everywhere
1: definitely hit that like button let's go ahead let's do a little wrap up what's your last thoughts on the markets guys and then we'll go to joel for the es outlook
2: i think I'm still looking at the TLT before you're starting to go all in here on stocks. So it's leaking a little bit here. It's why the market has turned around and leaked. Keep an eye. It's driving the bus. Rates matter to the majority of stocks out there. Keep an eye on the TLT. We're still in the middle of the range. So there really is no call to be made here yet. Um, It feels like there's a buy the dip mentality in the last couple of days, but that's just feel. Technically here, the TLT is still right in the middle. So, you know, it could go either way. Below 82, you don't want to own stocks. Above 85, you do want to own stocks. That's where we're at.
0: Okay. Just uh, keeping an eye on the upside. Yesterday's high, 15 and a half. We stuck over there in the pre-market, but uh, uh, faded a little bit. So I think it'd be a choppy two-way day ahead of the Fed. So everyone have a good day. Back with you later on. All
1: right joel hop real quick i wanted to ask the guest for tomorrow but he hopped for me there guys but so wrap fast. it up yeah he's a quick <laughs> one there sometimes all right guys i'm gonna bring you guys over i gotta go fix my my camera here so have a good go one dennis i'll see, see you guys you, over see on live guys. trading that's starting up next guys don't go anywhere i know i'm a ghost but i'll be on live trading up next